All right, Tony, welcome back to another episode. You're looking great, man. How's, how's life? Life is busy. Fantastic. Uh, and lots going on. How about you? Dude, yeah, same. Super busy. My mom's coming into town. My wife's mom was in town last weekend. Uh, lots of family time this summer, you know what I mean? Love That's it. good. Yeah, yeah. We're getting back into recording some shows here. Mm-hmm. I think uh, anybody listening has noticed a bit of a hiatus for a little bit. We just kind of... Like you said, summer sort of gets busy. Things kind of build up. Terrible excuses, but excuses nonetheless. We're just saving up all the good ones. This is like concentrating exactly. now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so what do we have today? Today we're going to talk about the first property scaries. So, it's, uh, you know, everybody wants to get in, got to get that first house, and everybody's on the fence. But, and and talk, talk to you a little bit about, I think, from my perspective, why I was afraid to get my first place. And I guess, Tony, you said you were never scared. Too strong. <laughs> there were yeah. things I was scared of. Um, however, I think at this point, I run into so many as an agent that works with an investors for just other people whenever they're getting started and the things that I hear that are kind of mental hurdles for them. Um, so I think there's a few things there that come up the most that we can talk about. Strictly, mostly just towards landlords, um, not really talking too much towards people flipping or anything like that. Yeah, we'll channel their juju and bring it in here. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, what do you? What? Uh, what was something that at the beginning was a hurdle for you? Yeah. So for us, uh, you know, everybody wants to buy a good deal for their first one, right? You, you kind of don't know what you're doing. You you don't want your your first uh, deal to like set the precedence of I'm a failure. So you're extra diligent with all your spreadsheets and all that. And uh, I think more important than buying a great deal. It's just having enough cushion so that if your first deal is not a great deal, it, it's not like a, you know, a, a, a soul crushing, life destroying marriage ending moment for you <laughs> or, or whatever, right? Where now you're borrowing from your wife's mother because you have to get out of this thing that you goofed up. So I think, uh, you know, the, the fear is like, oh, we got to get a great deal. We got to be, you know, we got to like launch this off and do an awesome job so that we can get on some podcasts and talk about our 2x double burr or whatever it is just start and, your own podcast <laughs> yeah no no leave that out but <laughs> instead just have have a little cushion you know don't try and hit a home run just just try and get out there and like you know get one under the belt you know what i mean get you know some grease forget what the wrestling thing is you know grease the grease the wheels so to speak yeah there's only so much that you can learn by reading stuff online consuming content doing everything the only way that you're going to get over kind of that fear of the first deal is is pretty much just to to dig down and just go after it mm-hmm. so so that's important and then i think along with yours what you're saying um i think a lot of what can overwhelm people thinking about trying to find a great deal is they read online about all these different ways to analyze their property like You've got cash on cash return, cap rate, internal rate of return, return on equity, return on investment. There's a thousand different things that people that are market insiders are trying to do just to make themselves feel important and smart and like create terms for everything. And they're important and you can learn about them and read about them and they can help guide your investment decisions and everything like that. But for the first deal, the first few deals, there's that whole KISS principle, that keep it simple, stupid principle. So really just focus on deals that you're not going to lose money. 
Like just analyze the monthly numbers, look at your cash flow. You want to probably be able to at least break even with reasonable expectations. So at the beginning, what you're really going to want to actually do some research on, maybe ask somebody who knows, you know, who's done it before, things like that, is a little bit more information on your expense uh, data. Like how much am I actually going to pay to maintain a house here? How much am I actually going to pay to find a tenant? Get a handle on your expenses because as long as you can look at a property from a really simple income and expenses perspective and calculate a cash flow, that's that's good enough for you to get started. Everything yeah. else is as you grow, because once you get started, you're really going to start to learn more and more and more of this. Um, even because whenever you go to meetups and stuff, once you've actually done one deal, you're ahead of probably 70% of the people in the room just yeah. by doing one deal. So then you have a little bit of experience that people that you can view as mentors might take you a little bit more seriously. So that was fairly long winded, but um, yeah. No, no, that was good. I, I think piggybacking the, into that point is, you know, having a mentor to, to go check your numbers. So, you know, you don't want to go into this first deal and just like actually do all the numbers yourself. You know, I think you want somebody else uh, to go check your numbers. And for me, you know, my family had a lot of opinions about, uh, you know, what, what, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do when they don't pay? What are you going to do? What are you going to do about all these scenarios? Uh, and you have to, you have to kind of separate advice into two categories. There's people who have done exactly what you want to do. So if you're a flipper, you want advice from other flippers, right? And then there's advice from everybody else that you love, trust, and respect, but they haven't done what you're trying to do, right? So they're, they're speculating just like you're speculating. You want somebody who's ahead of you on the road that you're trying to travel, and they're looking back and they're sharing sort of this advice from, you know, the river guide analogy uh, I would make. You know, they know where these rocks are. They know where the little waterfall is, where it's shallow, where it's deep. You, you want that, right? So don't, you know, don't treat all advice the same. You know, people who have advice for very specifically what you're trying to do, your market, your property type, your whatever, uh, you know, that that is literally 100 times more valuable than, uh, you know, your uncle who, uh, you know, <laughs> is in construction even, you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's, that's useful because I think that one of the human character flaws, not just any one person is unsolicited advice. Like people oh, yeah. give people unsolicited advice. I'm guilty of it. Um, everyone I've ever met is guilty of it, even if they're sensitive to it. So it's like, everyone's <laughs> going to have an opinion for you. And you just need to be able to filter through the opinions and look at like, okay, who is this person? Just like you said, like, is this my uncle that's in construction that thinks he knows how to make investment decisions? I mean, I had an inspector that always used to bring up like, oh, you're never going to get enough rent for this to like customers. And I started to get like kind of annoyed because I'm like, dude, you invest in like pretty rough areas. So your perspective on this is like not not yes. right just but your opinion you know where you would value his advice is in the condition of the property so it's like you know even within somebody that knows what they're talking about you probably just need to filter that a little bit and on your mentor point i think people have too much pressure when they think about a mentor like i see so many posts online every week of looking for a mentor that's not really how to find a mentor like um you don't want to just good mentors go out not and... out there like looking for people to yeah, yeah 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 I mean, nobody 
I mean, unless they're charging you for some coaching program or something, (laughs) which I mean, maybe that's what you do. I don't know. I know that I know people who have gotten a lot of benefit out of coaching, but I think at the beginning, you probably shouldn't be paying money for that, that sort of thing. Usually it's more of like a growth thing where I see people benefit from it. Um, Just start going to meetups things like that. A lot of times you can choose your professionals that you're working with, the people that you're paying um, based on if they can kind of work as a pseudo mentor sort of, uh, or I guess it would just be a mentor really. So, you know, if you have a contractor and they've also invested in real estate or they have rentals, that might be somebody to talk to. If you have a real estate agent that also invests themselves, that'd be somebody to get advice from. Um, property manager generally but it's nice if the property manager also invests to just anybody who does that you can also work with is really beneficial because then they're not you know they're working with you in a different capacity too you do need to factor that into the advice that they're giving you though because you need to sort of understand their character and if they're going to be like just sort of talking you into something, you know? So a little bit of healthy suspicion when you start out the relationship is good. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to find a good mentor. You know, it, it's very important and it's, it's not super simple. So, uh, you know, it, just, you know. Uh, I don't even think I've ever thought of it as everyone that I would say I learn from. I don't really ever even think of someone as like a mentor, so to speak, like in quotes. It's really just somebody that you're friends with at that point that knows what you're what you're talking about. I don't have anyone in my life who's like a formal like you're my mentor. We meet up every every month. I mean, that would be useful, I guess, to have that relationship. But really, it's just try you know you make friends with people that are doing similar things to you whether or not they're ahead or behind or whatever at some point everybody starts running into the same problems so then you just kind of have people who are also doing what you're doing that you can get advice from and that's maybe that's a different concept maybe it's more of a concept of like finding your tribe of other people (laughs) real estate investing i mean that's been more helpful to me to have like a mentor by committee more than more yeah. than like one specific uh, yeah, I mean you kind of have to take what you can get right like if your uncle happens to be yeah. in the business and you know that's a mentor that's a high quality mentor and you're not listening now because you already have that problem solved right yeah, but for, yeah, the, yeah. for the other 99 percent of us yeah you have to kind of take what you can get if that's like a you know an art uh, a real estate investment association you know that's to me that's like you know step one ideally yeah. like for me i found you i you know but I, I found you because I went on bigger pockets. I looked for a realtor that's doing exactly what I'm doing in the market I wanted to be in. You know what I mean? And it just was like bang, bang, yeah. bang. You know what I mean? Another good yeah. option. Cause I'm gonna pay you anyway, right? If we do a deal, you're getting paid. I'm I'm kind of taking your class in this other way, right? So it's like <laughs> there's a little bit of that. So yeah. Um so. And, yeah. I mean, and it, as that comes along, like I would say in, in terms of what tipped my wife and I, who's my business partner into making our first deal is we changed our mindset from like, Hey, we're going to go get this investment. It's, you know, this first one's going to be a home run into, Hey, this first one's going to be the tuition, right? We, we don't want to lose money on it. We want to try and make some money on it, but this, this is the, the education portion of the experience. Uh, so we, we got into a deal where we knew if it did go upside down, we could, we could handle it. It would be all right. And we knew we wouldn't lose our shirt. 
And we approached it very much instead of this attitude of like, is this good enough, you know, to like be an awesome investment to, hey, is this good enough of a, of a learning experience where from here we think we can launch in the next couple of properties. Um, and I, I don't know if that is really resonating, but that, that shift from like, hey, this has to be an awesome deal to, hey, okay, I'm not going to go buy a class. I'm going to take that down payment that I would have put into some class and I'm going to go put it in this property and we're just going to get it done. And I'm going to learn what I'm going to learn, you know, um, yeah. you know, with those guardrails of a mentor of, of research of, you know, a thoughtful process, but. I've always felt that way that if you're going to spend $30,000 or whatever on some boot camp, that instead you should just take the $30,000 and just buy a house. No it also comes, you mentioned like, you know, you're going to buy a house where you're not going to lose your shirt, so to speak. So I would say that part of that fear is people who don't have enough money saved up. So I know that you and I have talked a lot about coming at it from a position of financial strength, like having savings, having things saved up. If you're actually to the point where you're going to do a deal and it's all of your money that you have saved up for everything in your life, you probably shouldn't do the deal because not only is it going to be really risky for you, it's also going to be a lot more stressful. There's going to be a lot more pressure because if it doesn't work, then you're screwed. So you should always set yourself up so that you're doing this with like, you know, savings that are specifically for this purpose, not savings that are your emergency fund. So then the, then the pressure is off for you to use this as kind of like a university, like you said, like you're going to do your first deal, Yeah. you know, no pressure for it to be a home run. You're just trying to learn all the ins and outs of dealing with tenants and uh, fixing things, moving everything, executing the stuff that you've just been learning in books and podcasts and media ahead of time. Yeah. But I mean, other, you know, I mean, those, those are the big three for me, you know, in terms of like getting out of bad advice, making sure we had enough money so that things wouldn't go bad. And then really just approaching it. Like, you know, yeah, I could go to school. I could go to some school or whatever, take some courses or whatever, or you know, we're just going to put that money into the house and get a, get a roll and try and make that money, make money. Two more practical things that people are afraid of with just landlording. Number one, the most common thing that I hear, most common objection to investing in rental real estate is the, I don't want to be a landlord because I don't want to get the 2 a.m. phone calls, the you know late night stuff to fix. Number one, I can tell you that including management, we manage over 150 units and we have over a hundred that we own ourselves. I think I've gotten less than five, 2 AM wake me up in the middle of the night phone calls in my entire life. So on one property, it's not like your phone's going to be ringing all the time. Everybody, like we talked about earlier, getting advice from people that know what they're doing, not like just your uncle who's never done real estate investing before. Everybody who's never done it before mentions the toilet call. It's always the toilet, which I always think is funny because like if you have tenants who are always using the toilet at 2 a.m., like most people are sleeping. So they're they're not really going to be waking you up for a clogged toilet at 2 a.m. And then the other one, which I think of all the newbies, the the most valid fear that I hear about is probably inherited tenants. Mm, yeah. um so 
inherited tenants are a bit of a black box. Like you never know what you're getting into. They just, you know, they could be good. They could be bad. I would say that the only way to kind of get over this is to just change your expectations. Whenever you look at a property and you see that there's tenants present, go into it, assuming that they're going to be terrible, assuming that you're going to have to evict them, assuming that they're never going to pay you and assuming that they're going to tear up the unit. But if you go in, assuming that you'll probably leave not disappointed. <laughs> um, but, but it'll usually be not that bad, but whatever happens won't be as bad as your worst nightmare. That's the other thing that I always tell people in general too. Like you work all these things up to be big in your head, like even individual repairs. If your roof is leaking, you think it's going to be this like $35,000 thing. If you've never done it before and everything like that, nothing is ever as bad as you made it out to be in your head. Like, yeah. I feel like everything well, I've ever, uh, in retrospect, I, I think there's some people that are more optimistic though. Like you and I are on the more pessimistic Maybe. side, but I, I do think there's some optimists out there that are like, oh yeah, that'd be great. You know, those are the ones that get in over their head. You know, you and if I you're are, one of those people, it's useful to have a, a partner, whether it's yeah. a spouse or a business partner that is on the other end. Um, if you ask my one business partner and I to rate a potential deal on a scale of 10, he'll always be at an eight and I'll always be at like a three. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think that's a good yin and yang for the mentor. You know, that's, a, that's where the mentor is really good, right? Yeah. You know, you know, somebody needs to be a parachute, but somebody also needs to jump out of the plane. You know what I mean? So there you yeah, go. So I'm with you. All right. Those are our few, few quick things on, on getting started the scary so to speak so yeah i guess uh if you have anything that you want to talk through um you can reach out to us on the podcast and give us a call the number will be in the show notes and uh yeah anything else that's all i got thanks everybody all right peace